That's a good growl for everybody there. Hey, little maniacs. Oh, what's up? This is another episode of Scaring is Sharing. It's the place where we share our scares. <laughs> <laughs> with each other and you. I don't know what's going on there with the growling, guys, but we're just trying something. Hey, if I say, what's up? Do you know what that's from? Yeah, the Budweiser ads. No, but there's a horror thing as well. Oh, okay, that I don't know. It was Budweiser, right? I can't remember. It was I think beer. so, yeah. But they parody it in Scary Movie. Oh, yeah, they do. When they're on the phone. And then calls he's all and they're, like, like getting high. And... Yeah, he, and then the killer's all stoned and his mask is all like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it so the much. The mask is all droopy faced like. <laughs> That was, you know what? That's something that really probably shouldn't have worked. But I feel like, in my mind, I mean, especially when I was a stoner, but I think I still enjoy it. Is that I really like one and two, but one, two, even like I remember three being really funny. Uh, granted, I haven't seen it since I was like young, so uh, per, you know, whenever that came out, so we thought it was hilarious. But and it brought us on a Ferris and. I find her a delight. Oh, yeah. And she was fucking hilarious in those movies. Three She's and so four, good. I feel like we're good. Yeah. Isn't four directed by the guy who directed Airplane? Yeah, I think so. And then I feel like, didn't they keep making them? Weren't there like more after that? Like, I think so. Then I know they try to make like, I still know what you did last Halloween. Yeah. Checks Texas Massacre or whatever. Yep. And there's yeah. like, what is the one? There's Stan Helsing. Oh, uh, I don't know like, about yeah, that. They, they but... just kept going off into like some of these into weirder territory. But I feel like the first few, at least, aren't they on Netflix right now or something like that? Maybe they might re- be. I I, I've seen those. the first two so many times. And it's it's so weird because I like really think of Anna Ferris with blonde hair now. And but like when she burst onto the scene, she was a, a brunette and maybe just to replicate, you know, Nev Campbell. But. But yeah, it's so weird to see her like that. But she was, she's just so funny. And I remember reading a review with her, I mean, an, an interview with her like a million years ago. And she talked about like how her whole theory on comedy is like not to worry about looking stupid and coming across as like just making the most ridiculous mistakes. Like, don't worry about how dumb it looks. Like, cause some people are so self concerned. Yeah. With like, oh, how do I look here? Probably like, especially when it comes to film and things like that. And I just respect that so much that she has no issue just being a goof and just like going for it and not being concerned with like, you know, her image and shit like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, guys, <laughs> Jeremy Rusk, a.k.a. Sasquatch Sloom. And this is Brandy Joe, the Flame and Scream Queen. And we are the charter members of the Anna Ferris uh, <laughs> fan club. So, yes, you know, <laughs> uh, if you want to join, let us know. That'll Did you be... ever watch Mom? My parents watch it. It's so good. I The first season, I was not into it when it first started because I tried to watch it. And then at my, my husband started watching and was like, this is so good. So I got into it. And especially after I got sober, it was particularly good just because it deals with 
alcoholism and addiction. So yeah, s- such humor and such grace. And they do the a last very season, good job. She's it. not on the last season, and it's a real bummer. And it really oh. that's why it tanked. So yeah. yeah. So Jeremy, how was your bidet? My bidet is good. Actually, before I move on, I have to say, scary movie too. When I worked at Little Caesars way back in the day, me and one of the other crew members, as we were called, uh, we used to quote Scary Movie 2 to each other all the time. We'd be like, let me use my strong hand whenever we would <laughs> grab Man pizza. it coming through. Every time when we had to grab something, we would say that and crack up. So, uh, you know, there's that. What's his name? Chris? Chris, Chris Elliott. People often say that I remind them of him. I don't know if it's like it's somewhat appearance wise, like that we could be like cousins. A little bit. Or yeah, something. you guys could be like related. I could And see I'll take it because I love him. I love yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, role wise, like I can't see you because he plays a lot of dicks. Like he's really good at being like an asshole. Hey, fuck you. Yeah, I don't <laughs> buy it. <laughs> I don't think it's in you. Uh, <laughs> I, well, at least I wouldn't cast you. Not in my all movie. Right, not in all those right. roles. But yeah, my bidet turned out pretty good. You know, um, I got to see your lovely face in the flesh for a I moment. I went and came knocking on your back door. On my back door. I was home all alone. I was like, who could be at the door? <laughs> and it I opened it up. Me. And it was you giving me a present. And then you caught me watching Swamp Thing again. <laughs> you geek. I know I'm such a nerd, but uh, yeah, I watched that again. And then I watched uh, Friday the 13th part six and part two, my two favorite sequels. I think those are the greatest sequels in the series. And you Um, watched them in that order six and then two. I did because I was like, okay, I really want to like watch one Friday the 13th today. It's Friday the 13th. Okay. I'll go with part six. You know, that's like one of my favorites. It's a lot of fun. So I threw that on. And then I realized I was like, you know what? I could go for another. What's like the next best one in my mind? I'll throw on part two. So I like to mess them up. I'm doing them out of order. Yeah. And what the fuck? It's your life. You can do what the fuck you want. Yeah. I just was curious why, but that all makes sense. Mm -hmm. That 100% makes sense. Part two has my favorite Friday the 13th guy, which is Mark, the guy in the wheelchair, who I think Mm is so fucking sexy. Oh my God. And that death scene's a great gag. Oh my god, it's so good. Except for like, it, there's something weird about it. Like, I mean, not that like many of the deaths are like super realistic, but there's something funky about like how he's hit, or that it propels him so hard, or something. It's been a while since I've seen it. I just remember being like, yeah, that wouldn't quite that work. That like scene that. cuts in a way too that like I feel like there's a deleted scene or extra footage of that death floating around out there. I might be mistaken, but I feel like it's on the Blu-ray too somewhere is the, um, that, that, that death was more involved and it looks kind of weird in the movie because they cut stuff out around it. Yeah. Maybe it's like that you see him go right by the spot where Jason like would be. And then he like turns around and then the way he's hit, like he obviously would have seen him like standing there. We would have seen him on the porch or there's just something about it that I remember. But it is yeah. so good. And then he just like comes like rolling down the stairs. And it's, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. The other element I love about it is short. I think it's shortly after that when the, he comes up out of the sheet mm. and comes after that girl and the lightning is hitting. Mm-hmm. And, and his thumbnail has that like blood blister like under it. Yeah. Which I just think it's like such an amazing little thing. And I don't know if it's just that's how the person's hand was or if it was a design choice. But yep. it's so 
I just find it so fucking great. Like it is. It's a great character detail because it makes perfect sense because you're like Jason's like a friggin' woodsman right now. So, you know, he should look rough like he's been, you know, he built a little shack with his own hands, I assume. So that couldn't have been easy. And he holds the knife weird too, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not like how you imagine you would hold a butcher knife. Like it's like upside down. Isn't it when he's like coming yeah, at her? Yeah, I think he's holding it weird. I mean, I guess it's yeah. all in your perception, but sure. I like the hammer death of the uh, the sheriff. Oh yeah, behind yeah. where he, he gets comes the into claw the hammer cabin. to the back of the head. That's one of my favorite deaths in yeah. all of the Friday the Thirteenth. It's Ooh. just so good, just because he's so different than all the other times. Like yeah. he he doesn't wear overalls at all in the second one, right? Is that when he's in like the jumpsuit? I mean, the, the third one. Yeah, and no, in number three. Uh, here we go. We're analyzing what he's wearing. In number three, he's wearing like a work shirt and like jeans. Oh, okay. Like it's it's like okay. a it's like a plain like olive colored like work shirt, like a Dickies work shirt kind of thing, and he's got like blue slacks on. It's just so weird because like why ever in my mind I can't imagine Jason be like, what am I gonna wear today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got all these clothing options. That's not to mention that the nature of like his deformity and what he looks like, like changes radically between movies. Every time he's unmasked, he looks very different. So there's no continuity there. Because part two, he's like definitely a ginger, right? Yeah, part two, he's like got a beard or part of a beard and like yeah. crazy <laughs> wild man hair. And then in three, he's totally hairless. <laughs> totally hairless uh and then in four i feel like he looks even weirder i, I i'm kind of blanking because i don't think it's got a long like because like three he takes the mask off of like a few times and shows his face like uh -huh. really like you know using that uh and then in four i feel like the mask is only off like once and he looks like kind of like sloth if i remember from the yeah mm -hmm. in that one and then and then you know He's not in five technically, and then six, he's back as a zombie. And then from there, he just looks like a gross corpse. So, but in five, oh no, I'm thinking of three. Never mind. When Chris is like sees him at like in the in like the top of the barn, that's three, like at the yes. very end. Yeah. Okay, that's like yep. that fake out death. And then the mom the pops fake up out. out of the water. Yep. And then the and then the corpse of Mrs. Voorhees comes out of the water and grabs yeah. her. And you're like, whatever the fuck that's supposed We're to like, be. We're like, can we stop with this gag? Got yep. it. Please. <laughs> I just saw a picture of it's like the end of Titanic with Jack and, and Rose when she's on like the door or whatever. And they're like laying there holding it. And then like in the back is like Jason from part one, like coming up on the water. Like behind <laughs> them, <laughs> which is so funny. Uh, I love it. So you feel like you had a successful, if that's the right word, um, birthday in regards to getting some horror in there and getting some Friday the 13th in there. Yeah, I got some Friday the 13th in, you know, over the weekend, went to dinner a couple of times. I got in also, I've, I've kind of been on a, a Mystery Science Theater 3000 kick again. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been rewatching just like random old episodes, some of my favorite ones. So uh, if people are inclined and either you've never seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time, a really good, uh, probably my favorite episode ever of the show uh, is when they do the movie The Final Sacrifice it's called and it's supposed to be like kind of a horror movie like adventure type of thing uh it's this really bad very independent canadian movie and it's very okay. canadian uh apparently it was actually like a student film of the guy that made it um and then it got like video distribution and then ended up on mystery science theater 3000 but is it, it about is, a cult 
It's about a cult. It sounds like it. It's about a cult in Canada and a lost city and all kinds of stuff. And it is uh, hilarious. <laughs> they, it's a perfect movie for them to make fun of. And it's a particularly hilarious episode. So, now, Do they ever do any movies from like the 80s or the 90s? Or are they all older than that? The original runs of the show. So... It was with the first host, Joel, and then the second host, Mike. Uh, and that ran into the early, mid-90s, late-90s. I, I think the show ended before the 2000s, so like 98, 99 maybe was the latest that the original run of the show went. And there were at least a couple movies from like the 80s. Okay. Uh, maybe even at least, I feel like there was at least one from the 90s in there that was like contemporary, like a TV movie or something like that. But yeah, bulk of them were like old black and white stuff or like drive-in old stuff the netflix version when it came back they did do one maybe two movies from like the 2010s so they okay. they they got a couple really current ones into there so i just started watching someone in one of my horror groups online was like oh who's ever seen this movie called milo from like 2000 no from 1998 have you seen this no, i saw that post cuz i'm oh, in you that did? Horror, i'm in that horror group so I started watching it today. It's on YouTube because I was like, oh, like killer kids love killer kids. He looks like Georgie in it. Like he's wearing mm -hmm. like a, a yellow like slicker. And um, and I was like, sounds kind of fun. Like prom night mixed with like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I started watching it and there's this scene in like a classroom. And I'm like, God, that little girl looks so familiar. So I pull up IMDb, look at the credits. There's no one. And I'm like, well, I should probably look at like the full credits. You have to like click like an additional yeah. link when you're on the website. Yeah. And the very last credit, Mila Kunis. Oh, wow. It's just like a little miniature Mila. And I should have been able to put it together. I played it for Joe and he picked her out like me. He's like, is it Mila Kunis? And I was like, you're a bitch. I saw that post in that uh, in that group, uh, which, by the way, is the Facebook group 80s slashers. So Right. Thank you. And, and that is not a... Um, that's not an 80s slash no. movie. So like people are always off topic in there. But um, uh, yeah, I saw the cover that the person shared and I'm like, I recognize that from the video store. Like I must've seen it in like, um, you know, walking through uh, and by video store, I mean like uh, FYE days, you know, like going into like to buy movies. Like I remember seeing it on the shelf a lot. So it must've been Were you like a fan of Gold Coast? Isn't that what that one was called? That was in like the malls? Sun Coast. Sun Coast, thank you. Yeah, I was like, that sounds familiar. No, it Sun Coast, It always seems yeah. so expensive. Like I'd go in there, but like everything was so expensive. Yeah, I, I hung out in Sun Coast a lot. There was one in my local mall. And like I had a few, I remember buying Kevin Smith movies on videotape from there okay. as a teenager, so. Yeah, I had a I had a few movies. That was I was still buying tape. That's what I remember. I was buying buying VHSs from there. So I remember okay. a few from there, and some like metal band T-shirts. And <laughs> uh, you know, I remember like looking at the cool like Hellraiser action figures and stuff, and being like, Yeah, they had like memorabilia sort of things. And I never really got into the action figure thing like back then. Okay, those kind of collectibles where I was like, man, I wish I bought some of those now and still had them because they're probably worth some money. But yeah, for sure. Well, listen, we got uh, a little teragram from guess who? Teacher Drew, I bet. Yeah, guess who? Teacher Drew. It's, it sounds like it needs like a theme song to it. Uh, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Nick the Knife, looking for you. Uh, so, yeah, so Teacher Drew writes us on Instagram and says, 
Hey guys, thanks for episode 42. It's great to hear Pumpkinhead get some love. I rewatched it and was surprised just how adept the cinematography really was. The story itself is an interesting commentary on revenge, and I so hope there will be a remake someday. Truth be told, there is one more reason the movie is memorable. I saw it on a first date with a secret crush that I had finally got the courage to ask out. We saw it at a theater in Cleveland, my home at the time. It was a perfect first date, and even though we only dated about eight months, the movie Pumpkinhead will always transport me back to that memory. I guess horror movies are a default first date for me, for I also remember The Blob, the remake 88, for the same reason. Though technically, because it wasn't the drive-in, we didn't catch much of the movie. Winky face. <laughs> Just one more reason I love horror movies. My question to you guys is this. What special horror movie date memories do you have? Till next time, keep the fun and fresh content coming. Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Teacher Drew, you get an A plus for your message. Thank you. Fantastic. Oh my God. Oh, I love man. hearing from him. Date memories? Oh, I'm trying to think. Like, I'm not even sure I have ever seen a horror movie like on like a memorable date. I don't know. So I remember, so when I, I went to college in Colorado, I'm from Wyoming originally, and I remember I had gone to the mall. I was a sophomore. So we're talking like 1998. And I went to the mall to get like a cool pair of jeans from the buckle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember they were like $40. It was like the most I'd ever paid for a pair of uh, cool jeans. Yeah. And, and that's $40 is like nothing now. No, it really is not. But jeans at the time, are it like so expensive. Jeans, regular ass jeans now are like 60 bucks, you know, more than that probably easily. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Easily. And there was this um, sales clerk or sales assistant. I don't know what the proper term is. Someone who worked at the buckle. I mm -hmm. feel like his name was Rudy. And he helped me like pick out the pair of jeans and he was cute. And it was so out of character for me. But I called the buckle and asked for him and asked him out on a date. Which is oh. like, I don't put myself out there very often. And... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the dog's like, why didn't he ask me out? Yeah, I, I think my wife is home. And so I called and asked Rudy out and asked him to go to the movie. And we went to see the Psycho remake. Ooh. And I hated it. And I think he hated it. But I just remember how uninterested in me he seemed the entire time and needless to say we never saw each other again <laughs> but i and that may be why i never really asked anyone out after that because i was damaged oh that's a sad end to the story it's that sort of thing like would you have preferred someone have just said no like would that be more damaging than like them saying yes when they really didn't want to go out with you anyway i don't know but when i, I think know. of like a date to a horror movie that's what I think that's what of. comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I can't really. I'm I'm racking my brain here. I I feel like uh, maybe in high school there was at least like like I feel like I had to have gone out the with to the movies with a girl and it was usually like whatever crap <laughs> like thriller was playing or whatever. Uh, yeah, no, my, I got nothing. I had one high school girlfriend, Sabrina Martin, and we never like held hands or kissed because I was like too much of a chicken 
AKA I was also really, really gay. And I never like put the moves on her because she kept telling my friends that she wanted me to, which just freaked me out even more. <laughs> to do yeah. it. But I remember we went and saw the ghost in the darkness. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. It's not quite a horror movie, but it's definitely a thriller. Wasn't it like about like killer lions? Yeah, lions are e- lions are eating people alive in that movie. <laughs> like that seems like horror to me. Val Kilmer is it Val Kilmer? Yeah, it's Val Kilmer and uh, is it Michael Douglas? Yeah, Michael Douglas. You're good, and Tom Wilkinson. Yeah, yep, and it's based on a true story. And little baby Emily Mortimer, she must have been so young because I didn't see her until Scream Four was the first movie I saw her in. She must have just been a little baby. Must have been. Uh, yeah, so we went and saw that. I remember remember that. And yeah. then I've seen lots of scary movies with my husband in the theater. Like, you know, just the first summer Joe and I were together, we were on the road. And like once we had our play that we were like, like, like he directed it and I helped with like the rehearsals. I was sort of like the assistant, like the two of us. And when we were in Boston and D.C. one summer, we mm-hmm. saw, I think, 52 movies in the theater over the course of a summer. So I remember we saw Freddy versus Jason. That might have been like the first horror movie we went to, which was so horrible. And the main thing I remember is um, which Destiny's Child is in it? Kelly Rowland? Yes. I remember she calls Freddy a fag or a faggot or something like that. And I remember mm-hmm. being like, wow. <laughs> like, uh, wow. I, I remember uh, not that long ago, speaking of that line too, having a conversation with uh, somebody, one of my friends, and they were we were talking about how apparently, I don't know if it was a, like an ad lib or they wrote it, but that was like the one take they picked out of, apparently there was a bunch of other takes with different dialogue and that's the one they went with. And you're like, uh, that was a, what the fuck were you guys thinking? Like, yeah. And I feel like I read an interview with her where she defended, like it wasn't her choice to say it or there's some, yeah, there's an article and I'm not going to read it right now, but it's called how one homophobic slur stained Freddie versus Jason's legacy forever. Mm-hmm. And it's an article all about that. I just don't quite, I'm going to have to, reread it here but that's the one thing i remember about that movie besides who won and that last moment in the movie what what is happening in it that's all i remember I'm not yeah. gonna spoil it here but trust me you don't need to see it <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those moments too where i'm like take a page guys from george lucas or you know these dudes that have taken their movies that already exist and played with them and re-edited them over the years like just re-edit freddie versus jason put a yeah. different line in there and yeah do that yeah, show that you actually care about yeah, gay I'm, people. I, okay? I, I'm, yeah, exactly. And I'm sure nobody will, you know, people would probably be happy with that. If you just change that line, there you go. Good. Jeremy, that's such a smart idea because it so easily could probably be done and reissued. And people, lots of gay horror fans would be like, I respect that so much. So you know what? Rewrite history, y'all. Come on. Yeah, do it. They can do that with plenty of movies, I'm sure. Just cut in a new line. It's easy. Well, Teacher Drew, thank you so much. And... If anyone has some really good date memories, please write and tell us. Sorry that I have absolutely none. Not <laughs> at least not about horror movies. Like I don't I feel like for me horror movies were usually with my dudes, with my friends, like going to see like as a group usually. Um and then, you know, that was just rowdiness would ensue <laughs> in the theater. So, um we did that a lot. And it reminds me to you um when I I had lived in Grand Rapids briefly after college, and then I moved back uh, to where my folks were in Livonia, uh, Metro Detroit area. And I, for a few years there, I remember like my friends and I 
would go to the movies all the fucking time. Uh, so it sounds kind of like what you were saying. We probably saw like a million movies or we saw like everything that came out. So yeah, yeah I'm sure, you know, there was a lot of horror movies and science, but everything was mixed in there. So and we were just the rowdy guys in there, um, especially when they were serving beer in movie theaters. Really? Uh, yeah. Some of, some of them have bars in them. So I mean, like, like the AMCs do now. Yeah. Yeah. That was okay. like, that was like the new thing then was like the AMC, our local AMC had like put in a bar. Uh, and God, that's, they're was, so expensive though. That was in my drinking days where they, they would have a special though, where you could get like a giant beer. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I would get that. Heck uh, yeah. A couple of those. And, uh, you know, we'd be those guys cat calling the screen and, uh-huh uh-huh so uh you know <laughs> those were the dates well if you would like to write to us hit us up via email scaring is sharing at gmail.com or follow us on the insta slide into those dms like teacher drew does occasionally and we love it we love reading your mail and we love these questions that come in ethan has thrown some really good ones our way and teacher drew always has some and i love it it's so so much fun Yes, so we want what do you to, want to talk about. We want to engage with you. Let us yes. engage with you. We want to be engaged to you. I mean, we want to engage with you. Help <laughs> us help you. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, Jeremy, shall we do it? Let's jump in. Let's tell the people. So what this we did. week, you are going on vacay. So we decided to do as. We do in these situations where we only have the time to record once. We're doing a a tiny tear. Oh, Nick, we also need a sound cue for that, please. A tiny tear and then like thunder going off in the background. Yeah, tiny (laughs) tear. (laughs) So we watch one movie. So far, this is how it's worked, at least. We watch one movie that neither one of us have seen, and then we briefly discuss it. So this week, we went to see Don't Breathe Dose. Don't breathe again. Don't breathe anymore. <laughs> please, please stop breathing. <laughs> please stop breathing. So, Jeremy, before we get into it, okay. let's talk briefly about our history with the first film. Uh, the first movie, uh, I actually sort of a, here you go, sort of a date memory. I saw the first movie with my brother. Uh, Ooh, it was like a, sexy. It was, like, it was like a brother date. Uh <laughs> We went to see it together when it came out. Uh, I remember excitement was high for both of us because we were fans of the Evil Dead remake. Uh, and it was the, you know, the same director, uh, Fede uh, Alvarez. Is that his name? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, and I thought, maybe, is this an unpo- uh, And we talk about unpopular uh, horror opinions. Is this one? Because I've seen a lot of hate online for the Evil Dead remake, which I didn't no. know existed. And I really liked sure. it. No, I, I mean, of course it exists because people are so hardcore about Evil Dead, but I think yeah. it's mostly positive. I don't think it's an unpopular opinion. Either okay. way, I think that there's a big camp for both. Sure, I got thrown off, though, because like in recent memory, I've been seeing more and more people like, fuck the remake, it's stupid. And I'm like, well, you're just a lame-ass old guy then. Uh, that <laughs> fears change. Um, I thought it was really good, the Evil Dead remake, and so I was really excited to see what this guy was going to do next. Um, and then, of course, you had you know Sam Raimi, the whole Evil Dead you know production camp, uh, did the Don't Breathe movies as well, was behind them. So I'm like, okay, Hopefully this is going to be something cool. Uh, And it was. I really liked the first Don't Breathe. I remember uh, when we saw it in theaters, like the twists 
uh, that came, like especially towards the end. You know, it was a big what the fuck moment. Uh, I remember the marketing for it. Like I saw a commercial like the day before I went to see it that was like, the end will leave you breathless or yep. the twist. Like it made it very apparent there was going to be a twist. Yep, which and I didn't I, see yeah. coming. I thought I had it figured. I thought that the twist was sort of like the midway reveal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was like, oh, well, it's a little early. Like that's, and plus, didn't we kind of assume he was kind of a bad guy? But then, like, you get to the end, end, and you're like, oh, oh yes, <laughs> yep. So, uh, you know, are we talking spoilers? No, I, I don't know. Do whatever you want. Okay, spoilers. When they reveal that that chick is in the basement <laughs> of the movie, you're like, okay, so this guy is worse than we realized, which was cool. In you know. That sort of way, uh, you know, much like when we talk about rape revenge, we're like, this was a good movie. Uh, it's weird to say that, but, uh, but it, it, it adds some layers to it. It's like it a, a creepy layers, onion. Yeah, it added layers to the character. And I was like, we might have a new like horror villain icon on our hands with the blind man, I thought, with that first movie. But um, like, I don't think a rapist should ever be like an icon. And they, hold well, on, I, I, here's what I have to say. When we talked about Don't Breathe, uh, a few episodes back, I don't remember quite when it was, I sort of gave a like, well, they're bad too, sort of vibe in regards to him. And I mm-hmm. want to retract that completely because it's stuck out of my mind ever since I've said it because he straight up is going to rape Jane Levy at the end. And it's just not yes. cool. It's not cool at all. Yeah. It's disgusting. I mean, I loved how it made me squirm with that that turkey baster and there's like a pube in it like it was so gross and it definitely made me squirm and you're like holy fuck like and i think they tried to like make it not so bad because he wasn't literally himself going to have sex with her but it's not any better no he's still gonna straight up rape her they took it to the line uh yes maybe over the line for you know i i can see that argument too but like they push buttons. They for do. Sure. And they successfully pushed buttons with that movie. Yeah. I feel like they kind of have to just in regards to like the, the good guys in it are also not good guys. Like they're thieves. They're breaking in to yeah, steal money. From they're criminals. A, a, a helpless blind guy, they think, who just has too much money. So like they kind of have to push that line and make him appear worse so they don't appear, appear as bad. Kind yes. of. Yes. And it was a great balancing act. And the movie pulled it off. I felt that the first movie pulls it off and... Uh, all is said and done. Like I said, again, maybe not an icon, but like he became a super memorable villain. Yeah. Like, and this was, it was like a really good movie, you know, kind of an instant classic in my mind where I'm like, okay, this is going to get into the rotation here. Um, I've only seen it uh, probably a handful of times, maybe three, three or yeah. four. And I know one. I mentioned to you yesterday, I've seen it probably 15 to 20 times because mm-hmm. it's, it was in my rotation back in the day when I would get really stoned at our old theater and like hang out all night and watch scary movies with people. If I had people over who I would always see if they'd seen it follows don't breathe. And the Babadook and if they, and and the final girls, if they hadn't seen one of those four, we would watch one, two or all three of four of them. Like Uh those movies were in my, have you seen these? If not, let's watch them now. That sounds awesome. It was so great. So I've seen this movie so many times and it is so well made like mm-hmm. i love jane levy so much i think it's levy or levy i think it's levy i love her so much she used to be in a show called suburgatory way back in the day with jeremy sisto a, a sitcom mm-hmm. and she was that's how i sort of got to know her loved her she's sort of like 
Darlene from Roseanne, like a little like, you know, smart mm-hmm. for maybe a little precocious and a little like smart ass. And then she was so good in Evil Dead. She's the best part about that. The remake, in my opinion. And then Don't Breathe. She's just so fucking good. You care for her so much. And like, and she also like helps raise their like the how you feel about the criminals because she's she wants to get that money so she can really make a difference in her life and get away from like her abusive family and save her sure. little sister. So like they add those elements so like you're rooting for the criminals. And and then there's the other guy in it, the um Dylan Mignette or whatever from 13 Reasons Why, I think, who's like her like he kind of has a little crush on her. And it's just it's just such a well-done movie. And mm-hmm. the cinematography is so cool as much as like it's in this sort of bad part of Detroit. It also has just some gorgeous cinematography of like the Detroit landscape and such, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Big fat fan of it. And I remember after it came out, there were talks of a sequel and it's like, well, what are they going to do? How are they going to do that? And, and I remember, um, today Alvarez said like, oh, well, we already have an idea that like when we talk, when we made the first one, we had this idea in mind. For the second one from the get-go and then they were like it's happening mm-hmm. and then this is one of those movies i straight up avoided any trailers for it so i went into it fairly blind i knew it involved a little girl and that was about all i knew so you so, and i went and saw this yesterday i've seen you more times in the last week than i think i've seen you in any other week i know it's been great it has been great um should we start with the letterboxd oh yes please thank you so don't breathe too uh, and the tagline is, bad things happen to bad people. <laughs> and the synopsis is, the blind man has been hiding out for several years in an isolated cabin. And right off the bat, I'm like, no, he wasn't in an isolated cabin. He was still in fucking Detroit, apparently. He was just yeah. in like a bombed out neighborhood, you know, where I guess there was nobody else. Much like the first movie, he just moved to another section of the city that was, you know, not many people living in it, mostly vacant. Uh, and has taken in and raised a young girl orphan from a devastating house fire. Their quiet life together is shattered when a group of criminals kidnap the girl, forcing the blind man to leave his safe haven to save her. And that really explains what happened here. So, And you're right, though. I remember, I must have read the synopsis, aside, like since I didn't watch the trailers. I knew the synopsis because I was expecting a cabin in the middle of the woods. And mm-hmm. right off the bat, I'm like, oh, we're just still in Detroit. I mean, the Detroit in here feels less like a realistic Detroit. It doesn't feel like actual Detroit, guys. Yeah. The first one I really love because there are lots of neighborhoods like that neighborhood in the yes. first Don't Breathe. And yeah. here it feels like they're trying to kind of go in the suburbs, which really didn't feel like the suburbs of Detroit at all. No, nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was sitting there thinking. Like, where did they actually film this? Because this does not look like any sections of Detroit that I can think no. of in this movie. Like, it's clearly not even remotely near Detroit. But I wish I would have gone somewhere else altogether. I feel like yeah. that, first of all, would have done something to the drive the plot forward and explain how he went from a big city to uh, like to be like a recluse somewhere like i just feel that would have been an interesting take for a while i was into the changes and up in the story that it wasn't exactly the same thing it kind of starts like the same thing like there there's a Mm -hmm. a big scene in a house that is very much just the first movie down to like some of these long takes where we go between floors and things like that like there's some decent cinematography and some callbacks to the first one like there's a, a sort of 
glass ceiling shot there's a which there's a very similar scene with that dylan kid from the first one that they sort of replicate the opening shot is very similar to the opening of the first one with like the little girl on the street and in the Mm -hmm. very first one he's like dragging jane levy like by her hair and then like we sort of go back in time to see how we got there so there's some sorts of like bookendy things but man oh man this movie was not good I, uh, I was going to say, full disclosure, this movie kind of sucked, guys. Uh, <laughs> like, this was not what I thought. Like, I did not. Because like you said, they from the get from the first one, they said, oh, yeah, there's going to be a sequel. I remember they announced a sequel real quick. Uh, and I feel like at some point there was like an interview blurb with a writer or something that like talked about this is what we're going to do in the sequel and gave like a vague description and it's not this movie. It's not the movie they made. So I'm like, that must have been like, you know, several drafts ago of the script. Like, because uh, I I thought they were bringing back more of the characters from the first one. Like the description I had heard was what I remember them saying uh, for the sequel was kind of like a, like an on the run movie uh, with the uh, with the blind man like out there like after you know the chick or something like that for revenge. Uh, one way or another, I'm like that concept kind of stretches. I mean, he's blind, like that idea kind of stretches uh, believability, I think, uh, if she's out in the world. But uh, that's where I thought they were going was like leaning into him as a villain, uh, you know, and doing some more with that. But instead, we got they decided to make the blind man John Wick, and that's like what this movie is. And I'm like, that just did not jive for me. Now, I've not seen John Wick, so and what what does that mean? It just uh, like. You know, in those movies, he's he's just ultimate badass. Used to be like a contract killer, and then he's getting revenge though for like a, okay, a, a, a righteous reason. You know, as the movies unfold, it's different. In the first one, he's getting revenge against these guys that killed the dog his dead wife like gave him as a gift before she died, uh, and then from there it just keeps twisting. But it's always there's righteousness behind the killing he's doing of all of these bad dudes. Uh, and I feel like that's the direction they tried to push this one where it's like, but he's killing worse people that are just going to kill this girl that he raised. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when there's a, a specific twist that there's sort of like two twists in this kind of just like the first one, it sort of takes that similar mm-hmm. sort of vibe and there's sort of a midway twist. And I was kind of like, Oh, like I actually didn't quite see that coming as much as I should have probably. And then there's an end twist, which is just so bad. Like the more this movie went on, the more we were laughing out loud to the horrible dialogue. Yes. And the people around us were laughing too. And like, the just the concepts that were like, just so bad. Why did they think this was a good plot point? Like, like really, there's gonna be a plot point about like someone like trying to harvest organs. Like that is so like late 90s yeah that was like such a weird urban legendy kind of thing that i'm like i'm pretty sure we know this doesn't happen at least not this way (laughs) and i was like oh is it just there's a red herring but nope it rears its ugly head later again yeah in just the most ridiculous way and her parents at the end like when we find out they are her parents they're the most like one-dimensional bad guy characters like there's just nothing interesting going it felt like by the time we get to that point in the movie where they go to the, well, the, the old abandoned hotel they were all hanging out in uh, yeah. was sort of like, I'm like, oh, that's a little bit Detroit. There's a lot of those around, just old 
But not as cool as that one was. Not as cool as that. (laughs) Where where the bad guys are all hanging out. Um, The bad guys are all look like rejects from a Mad Max movie or like Sons of Anarchy extras. Um, And again, like that plot line with the organ harvesting and they had a meth lab. I'm like, this feels like a rejected plot line from Breaking Bad or (laughs) from Sons of Anarchy. Like one of those crime enterprise type shows. And it just didn't. It just, everything that kept happening made this movie feel not like a horror movie. Like this was not a horror movie uh, in the way the first one is a horror movie. And I keep reading all of these reviews that are like, oh my God, the violence is really gnarly and this and stuff. I'm it like, is not. I mean, there's like maybe a couple of like head bashings that you sort of, you know, see a little, they're a little explicit. The no. one, the worst, <laughs> like one of the the worst sort of, violence that happens is that somehow he manages to hold a guy down and super glue his mouth closed to the point that it actually stays closed even though it happens in a matter of moments moments and his like nose in his mouth oh god and instead of his brother cutting that open he jabs a hole in his cheek which is just like are you fucking like yes if someone's about to die and you haven't tried everything else that's where you're gonna go but why wouldn't you grab anything else sharp and just cut a tiny hole in in the glue and there was just no way like the guy wasn't tied up like there's just no way it could have happened it was utterly ridiculous on top of the fact that he pokes a hole in the guy's cheek so he can breathe. But then the very guy that's his mouth is super glued closed. The first thing he does is cut his mouth open. Exactly what I'm saying. Like, how did yeah. the brother not like go to even taking whatever he's in a jab is the his a hole and just try to like cut a small slit sure. or like push it up through his nose, like anything else besides giving him permanent damage in the yeah. side of his face. And it was totally a moment of like, we got to try and get some more blood in here. I'm assuming like, what can we do to drag some more scenes out to cause more carnage? But the, this movie felt really like restrained in that way where I'm like, we, you know, the audience is here to see this guy, you know, kill people. Uh, and it feels like it took forever to get to the first like death, like to get to the actual carnage where you're like, what's what's going on here? Like, why are they not just it should be going nuts? Like, I want the first movie, a good sequel should deliver on what the first movie did, but do it bigger and crazier, especially in the horror realm. And they did not do that at all. And I was trying to figure out who the main baddie was for the longest time. And then it like hit me that it was Brandon Sexton third, who is from like, Welcome to the Dollhouse. He's a great actor and he looks so different. I think he looks pretty hot, but I just didn't like put it together that that was him. And I was so excited once I figured it out, but it doesn't help the fact that he's just, it's just, he's in a horrible movie. And the little girl while not being the worst actress ever, was not the best actress either. She was just, she no. was fine, but she's, she's no Jane Levy. You don't land. like, yeah, just kind of, yeah. Just, she reminded me of Emily Perkins from Ginger Snaps, the sister of that. Mm. She also played little Bev in the original It. Yeah. She reminded me of uh, a little version of her. <sighs> yeah. I can see that. There's just some bad, bad twists in it. I love the Hernandez character who's gone too soon in the beginning. Like, I really liked her. But she lets this little girl, like, go to some, like, really trashy rest room all by herself. Like, yes, this little girl's mm-hmm. resourceful and all that. But, like, you, she never is allowed into the city and you're just going to let her go into some trashy bathroom by herself? Like, no. 
Also, the concept that the parents, like, I assume they've been looking for her, like, since dad went to jail and got out and all that. Like, is that what we're to believe? Like, that storyline seemed poorly fleshed out. Um, that, like, yeah. all of a sudden they're like, we need a heart transplant. Let's find our missing daughter now. And, like, they just assume, like, she's probably still in the air. Like, th- that just is not thought out whatsoever or explained. Like, yeah. how they how they found her, how they knew she was around, something like that would have helped and while there's many contenders for me the worst line in it is the one guy says he's a navy seal and the other guy goes he's a dead seal <laughs> i was like what yeah those there was a few moments where i'm like this is verging into bad steven seagal movie like yeah territory that and the one where they're in the hotel and he like comes in and kills somebody on like the ground floor uh, and then it like cuts back to wherever they are, like at the top and of the everyone's building. Everyone's just and sitting there. They hear a noise, and the one guy's like, "It's him," or something <laughs> oh, like that's that. That's when yeah. we all laughed out loud. Yeah, that was like that was so fucking dumb. Like I can't believe that's because yes, you hear these stories about dogs that you know get released in the middle of a city and somehow find their way back to their homes miles and miles away. But like, I don't buy it. Like mm-hmm. in a, as a plot device in a, in a movie like this, and we're to believe that that dog just led him here. Sure. And we're also supposed to like it goes back and forth because I feel like in some ways we're supposed to we're supposed to be rooting for him because he's like saving this girl who we know is like you know trying to she's being taken by these people who are worse than he is, and then he even himself is like I'm a bad man and all this, but there's still supposed to be some, like, redemption for him. And, like, it's, after the first movie, it's, they should have found a way to keep him as the bad guy. Yeah, Because I feel like that would have worked better. The character change doesn't feel earned in this movie. Like, maybe, maybe if you guys had a second movie that they worked out, like, some character development, and then in number three... You know, I could have bought a transition in like the character or I don't know. And also we've talked about representation, inclusive casting, like this movie should realistically use a blind person as the blind man, Mm -hmm. as opposed to a a seeing person as good as Stephen Lang is because he is good. Yeah, he is a good. That's like the one thing in this movie that you're like, well, at least Stephen Lang is like a tremendous actor because... He's like one of the things that's keeping it from just totally flying off the rails and being unwatchable. Yeah, because his wife is like a fucking Tim Burton character and not in a good way. Like she comes out in that wheelchair and it's just like mm-hmm. she's Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I was also like they did that weird thing where she's in the dark. wheelchair and she slowly starts to roll out and you're like oh her face is gonna be all fucked up or something is what they're gonna show us as soon as she's in the light but no it's just like helena bonham carter wannabe like i was expecting like horribly disfigured or something but nope and i was like why even do that why did you do the shadows thing to reveal nothing yeah crazy hair she had hot topic hair she did it was just so bad so mm-hmm. bad and so disappointing. I think the guy who directed it wrote the first one with Fede Alvarez, and then yes. he took, and then they both wrote this one, and then he took over the director's chair. And he definitely tries to be him with some of the cinematography and things like that, but it's just, it's just not good at all. No. So that's it, guys. <laughs> um, out of uh, five tubes of super glue. 
How many do you give it? I'm going to give it one and a half. Oh my God. I was about to rate it a little higher, but as we talked about it, I'm right in line with you one and a half. And we all know what that means. <laughs> Throw it on the slash. <laughs> That's right. It's a piece of trash. Sorry, Don't guys. Don't go near it. This was just a giant disappointment. But if you went and saw, if there's things that were horrible about it that we d- failed to talk about, please write in and say it. And if you liked it, write in and tell us too, because yeah. everyone's opinion is valid. It may be wrong, but it's valid. Yeah, tell us how fucking dumb we are. <laughs> and yeah, it's just one more to add to the, you know, the, the pile of, movies that shouldn't be touched in regards to like making a sequel like just let let the original just let it be no need for a sequel that's right all right well jeremy is a pleasure as always and i think next week we have an additional tiny and our tiny terror episodes don't generally end up being that much shorter (laughs) anyways yeah it's close it's close but they're usually newer movies or at least you know oftentimes They're, they're generally movies we both haven't seen which is always kind of fun and this mm-hmm. one was really hard though because I picked you up to go see it, and it was just hard not to talk about it afterwards. But yeah, it's like I didn't, right. I didn't want to have to like have these conversations again. I wanted them to feel fresh, so we immediately tried to find other things to talk about. And it, uh, <laughs> like I said, I was like, I can read the air in the car though that we were both going to say this movie stinks, like uh, <laughs> like that uh, that old uh, cartoon, The Critic. It stinks. Was that good? That was an HBO thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I remember it being funny when I was that this was also when I was a, you know, a kid and I'm sure I didn't get most of the jokes, but sure. 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 Well, Jeremy, hail Paymon. Long live the new flesh, my friend. Uh, until <laughs> until next time, guys. Keep sharing the scares. Because scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.